Hello and welcome to episode 111 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, I want to start out by wishing my mom a happy birthday, my nephew a happy birthday, and Mickey Mouse a happy birthday. I mean, that's a trifecta if I ever heard one, at least before Disney was the big, bad, evil conglomerate that it was. It started out with a simple mouse. And you know what? I still like Mickey Mouse, even though I don't like the corporation. Because like so many corporations, so much of big media, everything has gone woke. Everything has gone social justice warrior. And this is causing problems everywhere with things like the election. This little thing we just had in the United States where misinformation is running rampant, where real information is being suppressed. Certain political viewpoints, of course, are being raised up and heralded while other political viewpoints are shadow banned and sent into the deep, dark corner of the Internet, and where hopefully nobody would dare hear those dangerous people with those very dangerous ideas. And there was an interview that former President Barack Obama did with The Atlantic magazine, which I know The Atlantic, if there's going to be a list of really, really, really liberal publications and go as far liberal as you possibly can, The Atlantic is there. So just wanted to show we like to listen to all the news sources. We like to look at a variety of sources. And I thought the comments that Barack Obama made in this particular interview were quite interesting in regarding to the Internet. The thing that uh, I don't think many people would argue got him elected. He knew how to use social media. He knew how to use the Internet. He knew how to use this new medium to elevate his career to the ultimate level of politics that you can get to leader of the free world. But now he's looking at the Internet. It seems in pretty much the same way that I am, which should really scare a whole lot of people. Although I think we both see the same problem, but we believe it's the other side, the other ideology, that the problem is exactly the opposite of what it is. We both see the same problem. I mean, maybe it's both sides of the same coin, but we've both identified where that problem actually is. So in the Atlantic part of this interview, Barack Obama says, quote, now you have a situation in which large swaths of the country genuinely believe that the Democratic Party is a front for a pedophile ring. I was talking to a volunteer who was going door to door in Philadelphia in low income African-American communities and was getting questions about QAnon conspiracy theories. Now, this part, I don't believe this part. I think we go back to what happened a lot in the Barack Obama presidency, where it got to be a meme, which was he always had just heard from somebody. You know, there was a letter from a girl, you know, Susie Muckenfutch, who said this. And this just happened to be exactly what Barack Obama wanted to be pushing ideologically at the time. And it never seemed like that would really be what some little kid would write him in a letter. 
I don't really believe that your average low income citizen in Pennsylvania or anywhere else is wrapped up in QAnon conspiracy theories. I mean, I don't run into anybody that believes the Democratic Party is a front for a pedophile ring. Now, Mr. Obama, I've never heard that before. I mean, I'm sure if you go to QAnon, maybe you'll find this kind of stuff. But in normal conversation, in normal media, and we're supposed to believe then that the really poor communities are the ones that are really going deep into this weird QAnon stuff. I mean, I don't know why you're bringing this up, that the Democratic Party is a front for a pedophile ring. I mean, now that you've said it, Mr. Obama, well, now I'm thinking maybe there's something to that. I had never heard that before. I mean, I had heard individuals that were, you know, Pizzagate and were involved in some other weird stuff. And, you know, the whole, you know, it's Oprah and Tom Hanks and all of these people are eating the brains of children. But I've never heard anybody that had any rationality to them whatsoever say that they believe the Democratic Party is a front for a pedophile ring. So it's interesting that Barack Obama says that. But I don't believe that these communities and average Americans are going around talking about things like this, the Democratic Party, pedophile ring. Just doesn't make sense. But this is the first thing that comes to Barack Obama's mind. Now, that would raise some questions for me, and that should actually then generate some more of these uh, QAnon conspiracy theories. But Barack Obama then goes on to say, quote, I think, and this is speaking of the Internet, this whole kind of media in general, he says, quote, I think it is the single biggest threat to our democracy. Now, we have a republic in the United States. But I know what he's saying. It's a democratic republic. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong when he says that this internet thing, which is filled with social media and various media outlets, is a very strong threat to our democracy because it has changed the way that people communicate. And there is no question in my mind that it has made it easier to spread misinformation. We've talked about that a lot here on Random Thoughts, including the last episode we did. Misinformation is definitely out there, and it is definitely being spewed by a variety of sources online, and people have a tendency to believe in this kind of stuff. Mr. Obama, though, doesn't want to blame Big tech. He doesn't want to lay this all at their feet. And while you can't lay all of this on any one thing, there's no doubt in my mind that big tech is at the heart of this issue. That big tech is the one that has made the decisions over the last decade or so, which has crafted the world that we get. When we go online. And as we've talked about before, most people now communicate online, especially during this time of COVID. You're not having anywhere near as much face to face conversations. But even without COVID, texting has become very, very popular. 
communicating through Twitter and Facebook Messenger, very popular and a variety of different, you know, we don't want to leave out the TikToks and the Telegrams and all of these other platforms because they're all being used to do pretty much the same thing. But people aren't communicating verbally. They're communicating in a text message format. A lot of times it is very short messages where you then lose a lot of the context. That's one thing that you can't replicate. They haven't figured this one out yet. How you can really put off sarcasm or humor and get that across in text. That's a very hard thing to do. And you miss out on all of these cues. You miss out on all the body language. You don't get to hear the vocal inflection when you're reading a text message. But big tech has decided what kind of messages they're going to allow and what kind of viewpoints they're going to squash. But Mr. Obama says this when it comes to big tech, quote, I don't hold the tech companies entirely responsible because this predates social media. It was already there, but social media has turbocharged it. I know most of these folks. I've talked to them about it. The degree to which these companies are insisting that they are more like a phone company than they are like the Atlantic, I do not think is tenable. They are making editorial choices whether they've buried them in algorithms or not. And let me repeat that last line. They are making editorial choices whether they've buried them in algorithms or not. Wow. That comment has to have Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, all of these uh, big tech titans have to be squirming in their Gucci loafers hearing President Barack Obama say that because that is a big part of what's going on. We've talked about that here and over on my other podcast, Grumpy Old Ben's, about Section 230 that provides internet companies with a bunch of protections when they allow people to post comments where they're not the editors. They're just there to provide the service. So they're not responsible for the content that people post. And they're only responsible for what people post if they become editors, meaning they decide, well, this viewpoint's okay, but this viewpoint isn't. I mean, it doesn't make you an editor to take some of the bad stuff out of there, like the child porn and that kind of stuff. You can do that. That's not making you an editor. But if you go, hey, Saying this is okay, but saying this isn't, that makes you an editor. And they've been fighting this all along. But here's Barack Obama saying, no, no, that's not the case. They're making the editorial choices, even if they've buried them in an algorithm. So Barack Obama now is making the case that big tech by using algorithms to shape content that you and I see is making them publishers because they're editing the content. They're deciding what gets through and what doesn't, even though it's an algorithm, not an actual person. And most times it's still deciding what stays and what goes. So according to Barack Obama, he agrees, I guess, with President Donald Trump because he also believes that 
they can no longer hide behind this concept that they're not editors. They're just providing a service. So when Barack Obama, Donald Trump and I all agree on the same thing, go pop the popcorn, get a nice glass of whiskey ready. It's going to be an interesting thing to watch. Mr. Obama continues on saying, quote, the First Amendment doesn't require private companies to provide a platform for any view that is out there. At the end of the day, we're going to have to find a combination of government regulations and corporate practices that address this because it's going to get worse. If you can perpetrate crazy lies and conspiracy theories just with texts, imagine what you can do when you make it look like you or me is saying anything on video. We're pretty close to that now. No, no, Mr. Obama, we aren't pretty close to that. We are there. And you can go back and listen to the episodes we've done on Deepfakes, both here and over at Grumpy Old Ben's, because deepfakes are a thing that are already here. You can make it look like anybody is saying anything. And the technology is already there to do that. We've discussed it at length. There's even services available for lowly podcasters like me for about 10 or 20 bucks a month that would allow me to let the service train. Well, I guess the service isn't training me because that's hard to do, but it will let me train the service to know my voice, which at the end of the podcast, if I say, oh, no, I said Barack Obama here where I meant to say Donald Trump, well, I could just go into the text of the transcript, change the words Barack Obama to Donald Trump. And even if I didn't say Donald Trump ever before, it knows my voice. It will magically put that in air quotes, make my voice sound like, well, it would make something that sounds like my voice say Donald Trump. It would put it in to the audio. And you, the listener, would probably never know that that audio you're hearing was generated by a computer. So that technology is already here, which is why you can no longer believe any audio or any video just because, oh, well, that's clearly Barack Obama saying that. Or, oh, that's clearly Donald Trump saying that. Doesn't matter. And Barack Obama is absolutely right. We are at that point, which now makes things absolutely insane, because how does Twitter, Facebook, or any of these social media organizations, how do they know when a citizen journalist posts a video of a public figure allegedly saying something inflammatory or whatever it is, how do they now know whether that's real or whether that's fake? There's big business right now in trying to come up with technology that will recognize the difference between real and fake, but that is not a very likely thing in my estimation that we're going to see anytime soon. So even if this would to happen in, you know, 5 or 10 years, that's a long time where all of the information that is thrown out there can't be verified. It truly is 
where you're going to get even stronger dimension A and dimension B, which we have right now. There's no question about it that the people on the left and the people on the right see the world in totally different ways. I have no doubt that there are some people that are playing the puppet master that know the reality. There's people on the left that know the reality, but they know they can perpetuate the lie. And I'm sure there's people on the right that would be more than willing to do the exact same thing. So when you can't believe anything you see or hear, who becomes the arbiters of truth? That's where this is all falling down to the way I see it. Because who are the arbiters of truth? Who are you going to go to to say, well, you know, if I see this video on Twitter or Facebook or TikTok, well, I, I can't believe it. It could be fake. There's probably a good chance it's fake. But can you say, well, I can go to a CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or, you know, the Atlantic and go, well, OK, I know I know they're going to tell me the truth. No, you can't, because even those sources aren't going to know what's true or not. And one of the big problems here is that Barack Obama, when talking about the Internet, he's pointing a lot of this at big tech, even though he says he doesn't want to. But he's pointing these problems to the people on social media when he doesn't seem to want to admit that outlets like the one he's talking to giving this interview to the Atlantic is one of the most biased leftist organizations out there that are more than willing to spread misinformation if it brings their narrative where they want it to go. Barack Obama, you have to understand that the problem with the Internet doesn't stop with social media. It goes to the Atlantic, to CNN, to MSNBC, and yes, even Fox News. All of them are guilty at one point or another of spreading lies and misinformation and telling the people what they want to hear because it's going to keep the eyeballs watching their screen and making them money through advertising. As long as money is involved, you know that these issues aren't going to go away. We kind of thought for a while we'd be able to have citizen journalism, except for the fact that it quickly cascaded into a bunch of people who were doing nothing but lying in order again to forward a narrative so you can't really believe anything you see or hear online. Now, you can have sources that have a good track record that you can usually believe, but can you guarantee what they're saying is true or that they haven't been duped? No, I really don't think you can. Now, when you look at the, all the big media, the mainstream media, there's no question that social media does go one step further as they do indeed provide different people with different information. Different people get different timelines. They see different content. And all of this adds up to what they believe truth is. We don't have that with the mainstream media quite yet. I mean, they're all pushing to one audience. Don't get me wrong. But if you tune into MSNBC, and I, God, don't do that. But if you do tune in to MSNBC at the same time I tune into MSNBC, we're going to get the same content. I mean, it's probably going to be Morning Joe 
bloviating about how he didn't kill an intern, but that's okay. We're at least both getting the same content and there's nothing diverging there. Twitter, Facebook, and all of these social media, more or less, I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions and there are those that don't have the algos like No Agenda Social, which is a Mastodon instance that the No Agenda podcast runs, which is very much like Twitter, but it doesn't have the algos. But we're talking about the big social media here when it comes to Twitter and it comes to Facebook, which is what 95, 98 percent of the public uses. I don't know if a lot of people realize that the news they get from these sites is different than what the person next to them is getting. You know, you could be following pretty much the same people, but they have a record of the places you go. I mean, especially all of these advertising cookies that track you across different sites. There is a profile that these social media sites have on you and they produce what you see and it is not the same. When you're on Twitter, for instance, voices that they think will be in your dimension. So if you're a liberal, you're going to see more liberal news on Twitter. If you're a conservative, you're going to see more conservative news on Twitter, Not even beyond just the people you follow. It's the other stuff that they throw in there. It's the retweets that you're seeing. It's the sponsored posts that you're seeing. And this is even more dangerous because it's further separating people and further separating things into dimension A and to dimension B, which is why people can't even have a valid conversation. They can't have a reasonable debate, it seems, with the other side, because going into it, it's no longer the America where there are two sides that fight every four years and then get together and they compromise to do what's best for the American people. No. And we've really seen this beyond just social media. We saw this with the whole Democratic Party when Donald Trump won the presidency. Resist, resist, impeach, impeach, resist, lie, do whatever we have to do. If you'll notice, not one thing that the Democrats said Donald Trump did, none of it turned out to be true. Joe Biden continues until today saying that Trump saying Nazis were good people was the reason he ran for president. And Joe Biden knows that's a lie. Well, at least he used to. His brain may be mush by now, and he may be unaware. Maybe he had another brain surgery. I mean, we all know. Well, not we all know. But those of us paying attention know that Joe Biden had multiple brain surgeries for multiple aneurysms over the years. But nobody ever questioned that. Nobody in the media questioned a presidential candidate at the advanced age that Joe Biden is. Nobody ever suggested that maybe it should concern us that the guy has had multiple aneurysms and needed multiple brain surgeries. But this, again, is why we have dimension A and we have dimension B. And the people that live in each of those dimensions don't trust the folks that live in the other direction. So Obama was correct. There's no doubt about it that this is a threat to democracy overall. It's also a threat to our republic. 
and this concept that social media can now give us different news. So, yeah, you can say, hey, I get my news on Twitter. That means something totally different for somebody that's conservative and somebody that is liberal. Obama also goes on to say this, quote, if we do not have the capacity to distinguish what's true from what's false, then by definition, the marketplace of ideas doesn't work. And by definition, our democracy doesn't work. We are entering into an epistemological crisis. And I agree with him yet again. The concept that you can't discern what is true from what is false is absolutely true. I mean, what he's saying here should scare people. The fact that you can't distinguish what's true from false means that the marketplace of ideas doesn't work. Where that leads us, I don't know. What that says about the concept of free speech, I don't know. But he's not wrong when he says we're moving into an epistemological crisis. Because, I mean, I know the average voter is like, yeah, epistemological. I use that word all the time. So I looked it up because I wanted to make sure. I mean, I kind of got the gist from what he was saying, but I'm just like, I want to be sure because it's a really big word. It's at least a $5 word. Congratulations, Barack Obama, for really being able to interact with the common man. But epistemological means pertaining to epistemology, which I mean, of course, I love definitions like that. But that is a branch of philosophy that investigates the origin, nature, methods, and limits of human knowledge. So what we believe to be true, what we believe to be false, when you can no longer distinguish between the two, you start having some major issues with a society, which is one of the reasons why they went after religion, I believe, because religion brings something, a grounding effect to people where they can kind of have a North Star on what is right and what is wrong. But those who are anti-religion, mainly liberals, want you to bow down to the government, not to a deity. They want you to believe in the climate change and all of these stuff they want to push at you and make that into your religion. So, of course, you're more than willing to give up all of your freedoms in order to save the world. But what if that's all bullshit? I mean, that's a problem, right? When people believe things that are no longer true and you have the ability to make people believe whatever you want because of the fact that you can now make their world into whatever you want. And social media, the people that spend a lot of time on there are the ones I think that have the biggest problem with this because they can't distinguish the real world from social media. I mean, you could be going back and forth and debating somebody. Well, not really debating on Twitter. You could be going back and forth, insulting and, you know, screaming via text how stupid the other side is. And you can go on for hours and hours and hours. And I guarantee you, 99% of the people that do that, if they came face to face with the person on the other side, would be like, yeah, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I was just having a bad day. Uh, And the debate would not go on that way. 
because it's way easier to throw this stuff out in text format and on social media than it is to do that when uh, you're face to face with somebody. So, yeah, Obama, absolutely right. We're entering into a time of crisis when people cannot distinguish what is truth and what is not. Uh, But I want to know why Barack Obama didn't include the mainstream media in all this, because there's no question about it that the mainstream media is just as dangerous as social media when it comes to pushing these narratives, because they're saying the same thing. I mean, everybody sees the same thing when you get to MSNBC, but you're all getting a story that people believe is true because, you know, it's on national news. And when they say, oh, no. There's nothing at all with this current 2020 election that says anything about fraud. That's just Trump being a nut. He's just a sore loser. There is no evidence at all of any voter fraud going on. And the reality is, if you do your own homework, you will find out that that's not true. Of course, it's getting harder and harder to do your own homework when you don't know what sources you can trust. When you don't know who's telling the truth, when you don't know what's a deep fake and what is not a deep fake, and social media is making this even worse, which is the point that is screaming out in very, very loud voices with neon flashing behind them that we are no longer just people letting somebody post and we're not publishers. There's nothing that screams more that they are publishers than when they start tagging posts from the president and the people that work in the White House and for the government as these posts are questionable from truthliness or whatever crap they put out there. The guy that is the head of the border wall, you know, government agent doing his job, posted something about the border wall and how much had been built and how it's protecting the United States from having you know criminals come in across the border bringing drugs in child trafficking and all that the account was silenced was shut down by twitter and even bill maher who we all know is about as lefty as they come but he does seem to be a lefty that believes in free speech and i will applaud bill maher for that even he said this is nuts This is going way too far. Silencing voices just because you don't like them is where our democracy is going to fail, Mr. Obama. I mean, I know it's a republic, but he thinks it's a a democracy, so we have to make it easier for him. But that's where the country is going to break down when you silence the side that you don't want to hear. And all the evidence points to that's happening at about a 90% rate, if not higher in my estimation, of the left silencing people on the right. So social media is now being used to intimidate people. It's being used to silence voices. I mean, you just look at how the 2020 election is covered. That, in a nutshell, is every problem that social media and the mainstream media has. In a nutshell, there's no doubt about it. The liberals swear there's no problems with the election at all. That's all allowed to be posted. I mean, there's stories every day. 
the office of the vice president, you know, the office of the president elect and of the vice president elect. So there is no such thing. If Twitter can't figure that one out, that there is no office of the president elect or the office of the vice president elect. But that's fine. That's allowed. But any conservative posts something on Twitter, they're deleted, shadow banned, tagged as crazy conspiracy theories. And again, I don't know how I can tell you to even do your own homework anymore, because where can you go to truly get things fact checked? What sources aren't corrupt? Our history is being changed in real time. And if you'll remember the, what, 12 years ago now or so, when Barack Obama was taking office, Michelle Obama told us we were going to have to change our history. And that stuck with me ever since then, because it seemed like such a scary thing. And people are like, ah, no, she didn't really mean that. But yes, history is being changed. We're seeing this going on in real time. Michelle Obama, again, basically called Trump a racist, saying, oh, when he was running, he was saying racist things about President Obama. Well, you know, things like saying we wanted to see his birth certificate, those kind of things, those aren't racist. That is just asking for facts. I don't know if Michelle Obama understands it. I think she does. She seems like an intelligent woman, but she seems like one of those that might just uh, bend the truth a little bit in order to push her narrative. But that is just what the left does. All of these things they said about Donald Trump. Where's the proof? They don't have the proof. And now as our children are starting to learn from ebooks rather than printed books, the ability to change our history can happen instantly. You know, today, George Washington was a great man who was the first president of the United States. We should all look up to him. And tomorrow, that same device could be telling him George Washington was an evil slave owner who set the United States upon a path of racism and inequality that continues through today. This is dangerous. This is very dangerous stuff. And I bitched about it for the longest time. We've put education into the hands of the leftist nuts. And that's got to stop. Government the same way. Everybody. We need both sides at the table. If any of this is going to work. And I don't know how it's going to. Because I think the genie may finally be out of the bottle. When it comes to all this social media stuff, Barack Obama didn't have an answer for any of this stuff moving forward. And to be fair, it's not a simple problem to fix. If social media providers are allowed to continue running, though, on ideological lines in regards to what they allow to be posted, the Dimension A and Dimension B problem is going to continue to get worse. I agree with Mr. Obama on that. The real answer here is to champion true free speech, total free speech, where people can say anything they want. It doesn't matter if it's vile. It doesn't matter if it's things you don't like. It doesn't matter if they're ideas that you find repulsive. Free speech only exists where you don't censor or kill ideas. Now, I'm not saying you have to allow things even like profanity. That's fine. If you have a social media that you don't want to allow any swear words, that's fine. That's not killing free speech. People understand they can say whatever they want. You just can't use the bad words. 
know, I don't want to go down that line, but I can understand why you might want to make a kid friendly website or something like that. I can understand you don't allow things like pornography, any, you know, videos of child abuse, all of that. But when it comes down to it, people need to be allowed to debate and discuss even the most vile topics because that is how a country has free people. This is how we decide where we go. If somebody comes out and says, hey, we want to go back to Nazism or communism. Well, they're free to say that. And everybody else is free to say, no, shut up. You're stupid. We don't want to do that. That's what a free society does. You get to hear the ideas on both sides and you get to process them. And what should happen is that the people who are saying the absolute craziest stuff, then if the majority of people don't want to go along with it, they don't. What you have now, though, is a very small group of people on the radical left who are setting policy because they infiltrated our education system, they infiltrated the government, and they infiltrated, of course, the media. Yeah, the media. And even though you don't know who you can trust citizen journalism is important, I believe shows like this, there's shows all over that you can listen to from people with differing points of view. As long as we're still allowed to be on the Internet, I think it's important to listen to a variety of voices. Read those articles with people you don't agree with. I mean, I don't agree with Barack Obama, but I found some very interesting stuff in this interview he did with The Atlantic and a lot of things that we agree upon. I just think we believe the other side is the one pushing the wrong things. And uh, I don't know if we're going to find common ground there, but we both understand that the method, the social media, the media, the deep fakes, they're here to stay and how we're going to decipher truth from fiction moving forward. I don't know. We all have to work together, I think, to figure that one out. How soon will we get there? I mean, we, had, we got a vaccine for COVID, right? Allegedly, there's a lot of people who don't believe that either. But that's another show entirely. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to Random Thoughts. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of media out there. There's a lot of things you can be doing with your time. So you listening to this show, it is greatly appreciated. And we don't take anybody that is a producer of this show for granted. And we do work on the value for value model, which means you've listened. Hopefully, you've gotten something out of the show. It's up for you to decide what you've gotten out of it. I mean, is it worth a latte's worth? I mean, is it, you know, five bucks? Is it worth buying a new CD? Do people still buy CDs? You know, 10, 15 bucks, a new vinyl album, you know, like 30 bucks or so. And that's about the same length as most of these shows. What did you get out of the show? You decide. And then you go over to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. Click that little donate button, or you can use the QR code if you want to do the Bitcoin thing. And that just keeps going up, up and up. I'm thinking it's going to crash at some point, but I've been wrong before. Or you can use the snail mail address any which way to get some value back to us. And it's greatly appreciated when people do so, including our buddy. Earl Walkman from the No Agenda community, otherwise known as Jay Finley, who comes in with 50 bucks and no note. So we're just going to throw out a lot of karma to him. And uh, he's the patron saint of podcasters. There's no question about it. Thank you, 
Jay Finley and our buddy truck driver also comes in with a donation that was split between this show, Grumpy Old Benz, which you can find at grumpyoldbenz.com and the No Agenda Rock and Roll pre-show that I do live before every No Agenda show on the No Agenda stream, noagendastream.com. That's on, of course, Thursday and Sunday mornings here in the United States, starting at 9 a.m. Central. So we appreciate the people that donate. We appreciate the people that listen. Hopefully, we're bringing some value to your life, and we will do so again next Wednesday. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.